It's the Chronicles of Aguna and we're live. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna. It's been a good day. It's been a good day. The sun's been shining all afternoon. Got the first barbecue of the year out the way. And of course, Arsenal picked up three points at Leicester, which I don't think many people saw coming, especially when Mikel Arteta announced the team. Now, we're going to be discussing the team selection, individual performances. We're going to be talking about all of it. And in and amongst that, we're going to be getting your comments and thoughts in the live chat box as well. So plenty to get through on this live edition of the show. Big hello to everybody watching us live at the moment. I can see there are plenty, um, plenty of you in the live chat box. Um, just want to apologize, actually, for not getting any content out yesterday um, and for not doing the watch along today. As I said to you guys, um, had a family thing that I had to had to do today. Um, so wasn't around for the watch along, managed to catch the game, um, but wasn't able to, to commit to a watch along. Um, and, and yesterday, to be honest with you, I was as sick as a parrot. Um, don't know what happened to me. Those of you who watched the, uh, stream was after the reaction, um, of the Europa League draw would have seen that I was feeling a little bit unwell during that. And I said that, um, that I was going to jump off because I wasn't feeling great. Well, I felt fine, fine-ish until the evening um, and then took a turn for the worst. And I was up all night. Um, it wasn't good. Um, and yeah, managed to um, managed to, uh, managed to fight it off, I think, because I'm feeling a lot better now. Still not 100%, but good enough to podcast and good enough to jump on and discuss uh, a really, really good, Great Arsenal performance, a really good result. And then, um, well, you know, maybe I wouldn't have been able to discuss it had we lost. Maybe I wouldn't feel up to it. Uh, but I do because Arsenal took a really impressive victory, I think, at Leicester City today. And we'll come on to talk about why. Let's start off by discussing Mikel Arteta's uh, lineup because that raised many eyebrows. I know a lot of people were talking about the need for rotation. I've been one of them. You know, I've advocated... Mikel Arteta making changes. I've advocated the fact that it's just the way the season is and, and that we're going to have to do that um, at various points in the campaign. You know, it, that's just the way it is. And, and you know, the, the the demanding nature of this season makes it even more difficult than normal seasons. But even still, you know, this Europa League thing, Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, especially when you've got a factor in that Arsenal had to travel some 2,000 miles to go and play their home game in Athens. So, um, yeah, I mean, the rotation was always going to be a thing. I guess the worry came from the fact that when he has rotated previously, it's not always worked. And I guess the game that sticks in people's minds is that FA Cup defeat at Southampton, where we still, you probably could still argue that the team on paper had enough to do the job, but they didn't. They simply didn't. And as a result, Arsenal went crashing out of the FA Cup. And with our Premier League campaign looking very underwhelming at the moment, you can understand why fans were disappointed by that. But listen, as I said at the time, the league position is important and Mikel has to keep plodding away for that. But there will come a point in the campaign where he will decide and he'll have to decide which way to go in terms of his priorities. Because the Europa League ultimately offers us a route back into the Champions League. I know people will argue the Premier League does as well. Um, you know, but it just feels like, given that we found it hard to be consistent in the Premier League, it, it, it kind of feels like that is the least likely route at the moment and that we're more likely to put a run together and go on and win the Europa League. I mean, when you look at the table, right, you look at it and Arsenal are what? Eight points behind West Ham in fourth? So it's not beyond 
the realms of possibility. But you've got to take into consideration that Villa have played two games less than us. Tottenham have played a game less than us. Everton have played two games less than us. So that table could look very, very different. And look, if we don't... Um, if if we don't qualify for the Champions League via the Premier League, it's not because of what happens from now to the end, right? The damage has already been done. If we can retrieve the position, if we can turn it around, great happy days. But ultimately, it's the fact that we've lost 11 games in the league already um, that has put us in this position. So that's why I say, yes, it's important to push on in the league and it's important to try and improve that league position ultimately the damage I think is probably already been done I was going to talk about the lineup but let me say a big hello to some of you in the comments because there's loads of you joining us um so I really want to give you guys a shout out and we'll come on to the lineup in a second a uh, big hello to bad boy to Alex to Syed who says good evening Harry hope you're doing well I'm really really happy with today's performance all credit to William he was very good today and Pepe was also superb. Big hello to Gunatel, to John P, who says he was getting worried about me. Did you need a rest like Saka today? Yeah, honestly, if I tell you how I felt over the last 24 hours, I don't know what came over me. It was like, I don't know if it was a bug. I don't know if it was food poisoning, but literally <laughs> it knocked me for six for about 24 hours. And I still don't feel 100%, but I feel back if you like in in some ways I feel like I, I can be active again but yeah you'll probably see it around my eyes very little sleep over the last couple of days it's killed me uh big hello to Xander uh big hello to the Arsenal granny to Omar to Wayne um to Brett um who else we got here to Paul Burr how are you doing watching us on Facebook it says evening Harry see me great result today no need to progress now <laughs> um Kenne says COVID. No, it is not COVID, mate. I've had COVID already and this was not COVID. Um when you have COVID, you'll know you've had it. Like it, it leaves a lasting impression, leaves a lasting effect on you. It certainly does. Uh what else have we got here in terms of your comments? Uh Kville says, Hey Harry, hope all is good. Still made it. Um Harry Robson shouting out Pepe. We'll come on to your comments about the match. Uh, in just a moment. But let me say uh, some more hellos. Tommy O'Donoghue, um, Thomas, Chris, Mark, Adam, uh, Topher, Paratosh, lots of you in the chat, Martin. Uh, so thank you all for joining me. But right, let's get on to it. Let's talk about, let's talk about Mikel Arteta's starting lineup. And I'm going to share my screen for those of you watching us via the uh, video platforms. Here we go. So this is how Mikel Arteta's side lined up today. And, and as I said, six changes from the team that knocked Benfica out of the UEFA Europa League midweek. So plenty of rotation from Mikel Arteta today. And as I said already, that raised a few eyebrows because the likes of Aubameyang were left on the bench. Bukayo Saka was left on the bench. Um, Thomas Partey was left on the bench. Um you know, you, Gabriel wasn't involved today. Holding uh, was on the bench. So, yeah, it, Bellerin was on the bench. Um, you know, he, he obviously made a number of changes because he felt that it was necessary. And um, to go and do that at Leicester is quite ballsy because, you know, Leicester are a side who are, you know, flying high in the Premier League this season, uh, currently in third place. You know, they've... They, they came and beat us at the Emirates Stadium and, and many people were kind of, uh, well, have been really, really impressed by the job that Brendan Rodgers has done there. Um, but despite Mikel Arteta making those changes, Arsenal still went and competed. And let's let's quickly run you through the lineup. It was Leno in goal. Cedric, Louise, Marie and Tierney were the back four. Xhaka and Elneny were the midfield pivot. Pepe played from the right. William played from the left. Smith Rowe. Uh, played in the number 10 position and Alexander Lacazette led the line. So, I mean, just kind of touching on a few of the performances individually. So I thought David Luiz was immense again, um, really, really good. And he has been most of the time he's played lately. You know, he's looked really impressive. He's had a couple of moments as David Luiz always will. But I think he, he shows himself to be a real leader, uh, made some really good clearances from inside the penalty area when defending. And of course, today got himself on the score sheet with a really clever run and a really good header into the far corner. So, um, 
yeah, really impressed by David Luiz's performance again. And Matt asks in the chat, has Luiz slowly turned into our most consistent centre-back? You probably have to argue that he is. You know, for me right now, for all the stick he's had over the years, if I'm picking my starting eleven, when everybody's fit, for me, it's David Luiz and someone. And, you know, is that a, a bad indictment of the players around him? I don't even know that it is. I think it's probably more... Um, I think it's probably more just that, you know, he's been that good and he's he's shown the kind of form that he has been capable of at times during his career. But it's, it's kind of been glossed over. I'm not going to say glossed over because it's not a positive thing, is it? But it's been overshadowed is, I guess, the the right word. His ability has been overshadowed by the fact that he's made silly mistakes at key moments. And um, yeah, and I think he probably doesn't always get the credit he deserves. But we've heard about what a massive influence he is off of the field. And he's being a massive influence on the field at the moment as well. So I agree with, uh, well, in answer to Matt's question, has Luis slowly turned into our most consistent centre-back? I think you have to say he has. Uh, Big hello to round one. And thank you for your very, very kind donation. Um, to listen to your Benfica watch along yesterday and loved your speech when William was coming on makes it even better after today keep that faith bro yeah it was great to see William playing well and we'll, we'll come on to touch on his performance in a little bit more detail uh, Pablo Marie solid today um, did really well in that instance where he was basically engaged in a straight off foot race with Jamie Vardy I thought he did really really well there to A keep up with him but also to defend it cleverly and to basically lean into Jamie Vardy and almost walk along the tightrope of what is acceptable for a centre-half to do without committing a foul. Um, so he really pushed the boundaries, but he got it absolutely spot on that time, uh, Pablo Marie. Uh, the, uh, you know, the first Leicester goal, or the only Leicester goal, I blamed him for that. Um, you know, but other than that moment, I thought he was pretty solid. I, what upset me about the, the first goal was that A, it came so early and B, it was just so avoidable. You know, we um, we go away to a team like Leicester City and, and Mikel Arteta alluded to this in his post-match interviews and press conferences. You know, Leicester City are a side who thrive on playing counter-attacking football. You know, they love to play uh, this counter-attacking style. They love to... Uh, you know, they they love to catch people out when they push too far forward. They like to exploit people using the pace of the likes of Jamie Vardy in behind. And so when you go down a goal to Leicester really early on, you feel like it's going to be an uphill battle because that's what they want. You know, Leicester want you to have to come onto them and they'll just sit back and drop five, ten yards deeper and try and pick you off and catch you on the break. So for me... It's, um, yeah, you know, it's really encouraging that despite going a goal down, we'll talk about the goal as well. Uh, you know, we actually managed to, to turn the game on its head and the response was excellent. Talking about that goal, it's just a catalogue of errors. And, and that's been the problem with Arsenal largely this season. Because if you look at how many of the goals we've given away that have ended up costing us points that have been completely avoidable, put it into a tennis context they're unforced errors right where you're under not a great deal of pressure and you've essentially just made a basic mistake that's led to a problem and I thought in this case it was a catalogue of things because first of all I think the pass from Xhaka to Willian is poor I think Willian's lack of strength or you know lack of ability to shield the ball protect the ball in that area is also poor and then once Tielemans breaks through, I want to see Pablo Marie go and confront him. You know, I want to see Pablo Marie go and confront Yuri Tielemans. And if, and if Yuri Tielemans picks somebody out in the middle of the penalty area and that player puts it in the back of the net, then Pablo Marie can turn around and say, well, where the fuck were you guys? I had to go and confront him. But he didn't do that, Pablo Marie. You know, he just... He was obsessed with the option in the middle, so much so uh, that we were unable to get back and cover it. El Nenny couldn't get there. David Luiz maybe, arguably, could have got back in and closed the angle a little bit better. I don't know. But for me, 
it was just such a disappointing goal to concede. And as I've already said, when you put it into, or, you know, when you think back to how I kind of reacted to it at that moment, it was very much like, great, this is exactly what Leicester want. Leicester wanted to get an early goal. Now we have to come out. Now we have to throw a little bit more forward. And now we're just going to get picked off on the counter-attack. But credit to Arsenal. They responded excellently. They really, really did. The performance from then on, I thought, was fantastic. And I know people are going to say Leicester were without players. And they were without players. And they did lose Harvey Barnes um, to, to an injury as well. So I get all of that. And I'm not dismissing that because, you know, when Arsenal struggle for a result, we look at it and go, well, you know, we didn't have this guy and we didn't have that guy. And and I get that, you know, it can be frustrating. Um, but you shouldn't take anything away from Arsenal today in the response because the response was first class. Um, I think we were... I guess it was the right decision in the end, but we were unfortunate not to have had a penalty earlier on when uh, Nicolas Pepe was brought down. I'm still not sure um, whether it was Tielemans or or was it Ndidi who caught him? Was it Ndidi or Amate? I'm not 100% sure. But I know one of the, the midfield players caught him. I know that Tielemans caught him as well. And so I'm not 100% sure which is the one that, that threw him onto the deck, which is the one that was ultimately the first foul but you know what I'm not going to complain massively about the decision because ultimately Arsenal got what they wanted and a, and, and that was a result but yeah uh, as Omar says it was Ndidi um, who uh, who clipped him if that's the, the first foul that was committed then fair enough but then it was a really clever free kick from Arsenal wasn't it that that got our that got our goal uh, our equalising goal I should say I can't even talk I'm still flipping all over the place uh, William put in a really clever ball and it was a nice free kick because it was almost cut back and David Luiz has made a really smart run you know he's pulled off of his man at the back post darted across the penalty area got his head on the ball and steered a really good header into the far corner giving Kasper Schmeichel no chance so really good header from David Luiz and when you're talking about senior players they don't come more senior in this Arsenal squad than David Luiz and William. and so when those two um are producing when those two are performing obviously it is a massive massive boost and um really enjoyed both of their displays today we'll talk about Willian in a second but first I want to say a massive thank you to uh Jid F32 who's just signed up to become a member of our YouTube channel uh, if you're interested in becoming a member of the YouTube channel getting access to exclusive content as well as some of the other benefits uh, that are listed. All you need to do is click on the link in the description and you can see the three tiers of membership that are available and decide which, if any, of those appeal to you. Also, while I'm on the subject of uh, giving you guys information, this show is currently sponsored by Manscaped.com. So if you're uh, looking for some uh, or if you're looking to do some DIY in the Forbidden Forest, um, then uh Head over to manscaped.com for all your male grooming needs and uh, you can get a 20% discount as well as free shipping if you enter the uh, the promo code, which is 90min20. So uh, check it out. Uh, what else have we got here? Right, let's let's talk about William because I think he's worthy of it. Um, William, for me, just looked sharper today. He just looked like he had more zip about his game. He just looked as though... He was more up for it, as if he was playing with a confidence, a bit of a swagger, the kind of swagger um, that we that we haven't seen from Willian since he's been in an Arsenal shirt, maybe bar that game um, at Fulham on the opening day. But what he did was he, he picked up positions in key areas. He got on the ball, he made things happen, he moved the ball well, obviously provided an assist Um for the David Luiz header, really good delivery that. And obviously uh, for the third goal, um, you know, he was key in that as well, cutting the ball back to Nicolas Pepe to just turn it in to an empty net from close range. So Willian impacting on the game. And Mikel Arteta has shown a lot of faith in Willian this season, even when the fans have almost demanded for him to be chucked out, you know, demanded for him to be kind of overlooked. Mikel Arteta has always talked about the fact that there is a player in there, talked about the fact he's trained well and that he is a really, really good professional. And I think nobody will be more pleased 
um, than, uh, than Mikel Arteta with the fact that Willian in the last couple of games has had a really, really big impact. I talked about it in the post-Benfica show. I thought that he um, made a, you know, a massive, massive contribution in that game when he came on. I thought the way he was taking up certain positions, positions that we hadn't really exploited in the game up until that point, um, and obviously providing an assist that day as well for Kieran Tierney's goal. Because of all that... Um, you know, I think Mikel Arteta will be delighted because he's backed him, he's stuck with him and it's paying off. So, yeah, um, you know, delighted for Willian, delighted for Mikel Arteta as well because he's put a lot of faith in this guy. And so, um, yeah, so for him to do that, uh, you know, and take the stick that's come his way off the back of that, then um, he deserves a bit of good fortune. Uh, Jaden in the chat says... First time I've stumbled across your channel and oh my, I must say you're very dull. Maybe I am a bit dull, Jaden, but you know what's even more dull? Scrolling through YouTube looking for random channels on a Sunday night and you've got nothing better to do, mate. Cheers. Um, big thanks to uh, Jid for your kind super chat donation as well. Uh, it says he was renewing his membership. Harry, did you ever fact check me on Hector's stats compared to KT's? I haven't, um, but I will do that. Uh, feel free to, if you've got the stats to hand, fire them over, mate. I'll ha be happily, I will happily, um, uh, you know, uh, share those with everybody. Uh, what else have we got here? Uh, let's see what else we've got. Um, da -da 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 -da. Talk about Nicolas Pepe. Uh, another really good performance from him, I thought. Um, and I've been quite worried uh, with... Um, with uh, Nicolas Pepe playing on the right-hand side, because I felt that at times this season he's kind of been really, um, really ineffective when playing there, but then more effective on the left. And then when Mikel keeps switching him back to the right, you kind of feel like, well, what's it going to be? You know, is it going to be uh, Pepe on the right? Is it going to be um, Pepe on the left? You know what's the solution with Nicolas Pepe? And I think it's important that he can play in both roles, right? Because when um, when Bukayo Saka's available more often than not, he's going to play um, on the right-hand side. When he's not, then Pepe will play there. You know, then you're going to get on the other side, Aubameyang might play from the left sometimes. You know, Martinelli's an option there. Pepe's an option there as well. But the thing is for me is that you know, Pepe's made his career up until now, hasn't he? Playing on the right-hand side. And for me, I, I've i always wanted to, to see Pepe play on the left. But the, the reality is that he was signed because he plays on the right. All the success that he had at Lille, at, which is ultimately what put him on the radar of so many big clubs in Europe at the time, only we were silly enough to pay £72 million for him, mind you. But it was all on the right-hand side. So there's got to be something there for Pepe on the right-hand side. And today he showed it again. I know he was up against a, a very young fullback in that first half. And he gave him a real torrid time. But then, he, you know, even when playing from the right-hand side, he still pops up on the left side of the penalty area to score Arsenal's third goal. And ultimately, the goal that killed off the game for me. So, um yeah, I you know I think um, I think it's 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 positive to see Nicolas Pepe showing that he can operate from both flanks. Nicolas Pepe uh, showing that he can influence and impact games uh, wherever it is that he's deployed. And when he's playing with the confidence that he is now, where he's dribbling past players, he's carrying the ball. Um, you know, he's, he he just looks like he's on a different level, and it's amazing what a bit of confidence can do for you. I think the competition within the group is healthy now. You know, I think the the addition of Martin Odegaard has has added some more competition. You know, you're talking about someone um, who can play on the left, who could play on the right, who could play as a number ten. Um, you know, so Martin Odegaard has obviously added to that, and then of course Aubameyang's come back after his little absence, and you know Saka's on top form as well, and it's it's become. Very difficult for Mikel Arteta to pick the front four, I think, every every week. And 
Speaking of the front four, the only negative from today um, was the injury to Emil Smith-Rowe. But listen, as, as, as good as Emil Smith-Rowe is, and I've always said he's a fantastic talent, I really, really like him. What you saw today is exactly why Mikel Arteta had no choice but to go out and bring in another attacking midfield player. It's not because Emil Smith-Rowe doesn't have the talent. It's not because, you know, we want to block his development. It's because fitness is going to be an issue for this young man. And it has been throughout his career so far. And I think it will probably continue to be. And that's a real shame because I think he can go on to a, a really, really high level if he can just kind of put that behind him. But it's not as easy said as done. You know, it's it's, it's really difficult. And um, so, yeah, Martin Odegaard look, came in, uh, showed some really, really good touches again, played a massive part in the third goal, did really, really well there. Played one horrendous pass across the pitch in the second half, which I was really worried about. But fortunately, nothing came of it. Um, but yeah, you know, the, the Emil Smith-Rowe thing is harsh and it's maybe horrible to say that we had to bring in someone else. But th that's the reality of his situation, right? He's just, he's just not capable of staying fit at the moment and um that worries me um so yeah bringing Odegaard was in was absolutely the right thing to do and as I said he's added to the competition and done really really well big hello to Craig from the same old Arsenal head over to the same old Arsenal uh YouTube channel as well subscribe to the podcast too um make sure you're uh, you've got your notifications turned on because there's more content coming over there uh, this week Craig has been working really hard behind the scenes uh, to bring you guys more shows. So make sure uh, you get involved with the same old Arsenal. And he's referring to the comments uh, Lee Judges and Dan Potts made about myself and Craig. He called us dumb and dumber because we believe that Mikel Arteta uh, could be taking us in the right direction. Oh, dumb and dumber, eh? There you go, Craig. Um, I hope you're well, mate. Uh, seen a few of you asking about um, Gabriel Martinelli. Uh, people talking about what's happened to him. Nothing has happened to Gabriel Martinelli, right? I don't know why everybody wants to make a story out of a non-story. Gabriel Martinelli is a kid. He suffered a very bad injury, which he only recovered from fully a couple of months ago. I don't think he even would have been in the team as early as he was if Arsenal weren't in dire straits, if Arsenal weren't absolutely desperate at the time. That's why he was thrown in. He was thrown in prematurely. He broke down again with another uh, another minor injury, which only kept him out for a little while, thankfully. But I just think Arsenal are being careful with his fitness. And look, Gabriel Martinelli's not making any complaints. Gabriel Martinelli is not making any noises. He knows, he understands that the remit for him this season is to get back fit and sharp. Gabriel Martinelli will know that. There will have been communication behind the scenes um, whereby the plan for Gabriel Martinelli has been communicated. I don't think for a second that Mikel Arteta doesn't rate him. Just, just scrap that. It is... It's a non-story. And people are looking at the team today. The team have gone away and beaten Leicester by three goals to one. Leicester, right, who are third in the Premier League, who are many people's teams of the season. I've heard people talking today about Brendan Rodgers being the manager of the season. Nobody gave us a hope in hell of going to the, the King Power Stadium and winning today. We've done that. We've a rotated team. We've changed six players. And all everybody can talk about is where's Gabriel Martinelli? As John points out in the comments, he's on a long contract. As Rahil points out in the chat, he's not Cristiano Ronaldo yet. He's a 19-year-old. Um, you know, Wilshire's been talking about it recently as well, that he should have listened to the medical staff. He should have listened to the physios. There should have been more care um, taken over his recoveries. There's no issue with the way Arsenal are using Gabriel Martinelli right now. Martinelli's been speaking recently as well in the uh, Brazilian media and he's talked about the fact that you know he's just got to be patient and he understands and he's he's focusing on getting back to fitness so let's let's not make a story that isn't a story um is all I'm saying uh Sulak says um I'm not buying your excuse how old is Emil Smith-Rowe he's older than Gabriel Martinelli number one but number two look at Emil Smith-Rowe he breaks down every couple of weeks Emil Smith-Rowe breaks down every couple of weeks. So, you know, there are players like Bukayo Saka who are more durable, clearly, who are, you know, 
more able to uh, you know, withstand playing such a high volume of games at this level. Not everybody's the same. Not everybody's body's the same. Not everybody's condition is the same. You know, some people recover quicker from games than others do. Some people are naturally more fit than others. It's a very, you know, you have to judge these things on an individual case-by-case basis. That's what the medical professionals are employed by the club to do. And if they are, which I believe they are, um, presiding over Gabriel Martinelli, getting back to full fitness and I'm talking about full peak fitness after an injury that can at times lead to players never being the same again then if it means him playing left games at the moment I haven't got an issue with it I really really haven't honestly it's not a a big deal and I think as Arsenal fans we've got to stop bringing this up and and we've got to stop making a thing out of it we should be celebrating today we've just beaten Leicester City um and uh, everybody knows I'm not Brendan Rodgers' biggest fan, so uh, it was an sp- extra special one for me. Big hello to Christos, who says, we need Harry Simi as manager, mate. I will take the job. If Arsenal ever come calling, I'll take the job. <laughs> uh, quick reminder, if you haven't already, make sure you hit the like button. I can see there's over 350 of you watching us right now across the multiple platforms, which is incredible. Uh, so if you haven't done so already, uh, please be sure to smash the like button. In fact, I can see... We've only got 69 likes, right? And there's 347 of you watching across the multiple platforms. Hit the like button. Let's get up to 150 at least. It should be easy. Um, Who else did I want to touch on? I wanted to talk a little bit about Alexander Lacazette because I thought it was another very mature display from him. Um, Links up so well with his his teammates around him, doesn't he? Um, For me... In terms of what he brings to our overall game, I think there are fixtures where he's a better option than Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang up front. And I know Aubameyang dug us out of a hole the other day against Benfica. Um, You know, scored a hat-trick against Leeds. I get all of that. Um, But I just feel like in terms of our overall game, there's something in it when Laka plays that we don't get with Aubameyang. And I think Laka's a... Is this a silly thing to say, but a smarter footballer or a more sophisticated footballer in the way he reads and understands the game a little bit better, tries to pick up different positions, is always kind of thinking about how he can find a teammate. And I don't know, I just think he's a a better thinker in those kind of situations. Um, And I think that he gives you a bit of a target. You know, he's not this massive six foot four giant striker who you're going to smash balls up to. But when he does receive the ball to feet, um, I do think he's very good at bringing people into the game. And I thought it was another good display uh, from him. And I enjoyed him uh, obviously taking the penalty and dispatching that as well, uh, which was at a very crucial time. Let's see what else we've got in the live chat. Get your questions in, Uh, get your questions and comments in. I'll come to those uh, between now and the end of the stream, probably go for another 15 20 or so so get your uh, questions in um what else what else have we got to get through Mikel Arteta obviously talking about how proud he was and and how delighted he was with the performance after the game when people talk about is there progress and is this process actually a thing I guess for me I guess the thing is You look at games like today, you look at games like against Leeds, you look at games like, the, or you look at the fact that we turned it around against Benfica the way we did, and you would say there are signs, right? But the problem is that consistency has been a major, major issue. And that's why our form in the league or our points total in the league um, is so dire because ultimately the league is the one competition in which you need to be at the races every single week. Because, you know, you play a Europa game, you might not play one for two or three weeks and all of a sudden you've lost the first leg and then, or you've, you know, you've lost in the, um, or you've not had a great day in the round of 32. But by the time the round of 16 comes up, you've played your way back into form because you've had a couple of games in between that. So that's the thing, isn't it? The Premier League is, um, is all about consistency and that's where Arsenal have struggled. Mikel Arteta alluded to the fact that we're gifting people goals as well and, you know, I don't disagree with him. He's absolutely right. And I like the way that he, he says that, you know, and he makes it clear that we know it's an issue and we're trying to address it. We're trying to deal with it. 
I'm not sure what the answer is to that. I'm not sure how you address that necessarily as a manager. Um, is it a concentration thing? Um, you know, what is it? But I guess I like the fact that Mikel highlights the points that are positive because obviously, you know, sometimes when results aren't always going your way, it's difficult for us as fans to to acknowledge those. But what I also like is the fact that he does um, highlight things that are not going so well as well. And by highlighting things, um, you know, it gives, it, it adds a, a, what's the word? It's like, you know, if someone's just trying to sell you something, you you know they're just trying to sell you bullshit and they're not being honest. And and sometimes they'll throw in a little a little something here and there where they're trying to make you base, they're trying to humanize themselves to make you think that, they're on your side when ultimately their goal is to sell you whatever it is they're trying to sell you. Mikel Arteta finds the balance between trying to sell you that this team is progressing, trying to sell that to you, but also towing that line where you know that although he's trying to sell you the positives, you understand that there are negatives and you understand that he understands there are negatives. There's an, as Mikey says in the chat, there's an authenticity uh, to Mikel Arteta when he talks and I really really like that and I think that's a large part of the reason why he gets more support and probably will last longer than someone like Unai Emery because of that don't underestimate how important that is um, in a football manager because I think it really is let's um, let's go over to the chat let's pick up some of your your comments uh, Dalisu uh, says Harry what are the chances we can sign Odegaard permanently difficult to say my friend um, really difficult to say because it all depends on Real Madrid you know the Real Madrid want to play ball the Real Madrid actively want to sell Martin Odegaard I'm sure if the money was right given their current financial uh, predicament I think they probably would the fact he hasn't had a look in there really for all these years, probably suggests that his future lays away from the Bernabeu, but it's whether Arsenal can afford to persuade uh, Real Madrid to part ways with him. We're in a similar situation with Danny Ceballos. You know, Real Madrid have made it clear they will not sanction another loan deal for Danny Ceballos. So what do you do there? Do you do you go and sign him? Can you sign both? Can we afford to sign both? All questions that are unanswered. Look, I think if he continues to play well, I thought he played well today again, when he came on, I thought overall he's been he's been pretty positive since he's arrived. If he can continue that form, I think Arsenal will make an offer. And although it was a short-term loan deal with no obligation to buy, um, no option to buy inserted in the contract itself, I think there is an understanding between both clubs that if the circumstances fit, if the conditions are right, a permanent transfer could be on the card. So I wouldn't rule it out. But it's a long way from being a done deal for sure. Uh, what else have we got here? Let's see what else you guys are saying. Uh, Neil D'Souza says, Big up Harry Cedric is a better right back than Bellerin. We will balance that the back defensively and going forward. We need a better right back in the summer. But Cedric can be our backup right back and left back. Interesting. Um, Double A FIFA says, when everyone is fit, who's your preferred starting 11? Interesting. I'm going to go with Leno in goal. Bellerin. I know a lot of you can disagree with that, but I'll go Bellerin at right back. I will go David Luiz and then an informed Gabriel, not the Gabriel we've seen um, in recent weeks, the an informed Gabriel and Kieran Tierney at left back. Midfield Jacker and Partey is that, is that double pivot for me. Um, then I'd go Odegaard um, as the number 10. I'd go Saka on one flank, Aubameyang on the other, and um, and Lacazette through the middle. That would be my strongest starting eleven at the moment. You know, Pepe could come into that. Maybe Aubameyang goes up front and Lacazette drops out. You know, there's different options. But I like that we've got options. But that's... The first 11 that kind of comes to my head, that springs to mind uh, for me. Omar says, do you think this game should spell the end of Bellerin's Arsenal career? Because for me, Cedric has to be the number one right back. It's interesting you say that because, you know, Hector Bellerin is obviously being linked with a move away um, 
you know, from Arsenal. We don't know what the deal is with that. Um, you know, there's a there's reports doing the rounds that there is some kind of agreement in place, some kind of verbal agreement between the club and the player that they will allow him to go um, in the summer that he was hoping to move on last summer. But a mutual agreement was was put in place whereby he would stay another year. Mikel Arteta was said to be instrumental in those talks. Look, Bellerin's been a good servant to Arsenal. Whether you think he's good enough for the top, top level or not, you know, you can't deny that he's been a good servant to Arsenal. I think in the last couple of seasons, he's been a little bit up and down. Ever since he suffered that big injury, he's been a little bit up and down. But Bellerin is not the biggest problem in this Arsenal team. And I, I say this to people all the time and I get laughed at. But for me, you know, Hector Bellerin in a decent team is 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 not is not at all bad. And you're looking at the clubs that he's been linked with. You're talking about Barcelona. You're talking about Paris Saint-Germain. You know, you're not talking about second-level clubs who are lurking around Hector Bellerin, looking to cash in, uh, looking to get cash in on a bargain, or you know, pick him up for a quick buck. You're talking about elite football clubs in Europe that are interested, supposedly, in Bellerin. I don't think his Arsenal career is over. Um, whether he moves on in the summer or not remains to be seen, but. I still think he's got a massive role to play between now and the end of the season. And Mikel Arteta clearly values him uh, and values him very highly. Let's uh, pick up um, a couple more comments. Uh, Raheel says, who starts against Burnley? Today's lineup or Thursday's one or a mixture of both because we have Spurs and Olympiagos after that. I think Mikel Arteta has got to do this based on the conditioning of the players. I think he's got to spend... I'm sure they do anyway, but I think they've got to assess how people are doing off the back of that run that we've just been on in terms of the volume of games and decide, you know, who's the lowest risk uh, to play against Burnley. Because, yeah, we should be beating Burnley, but, you know, it's all good saying that we haven't got a game midweek this week. But then, you know, you go, you have the break and then you put someone in next week who may you know, just not quite be there or or may have taken a little bit longer to recover. I just, I think you've got to do a mixture of both. And I say that because the guys today proved that they can step into the side and 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 do a job. And, and they did a very, very good job. I'd like to see closer to the, the side that started on Thursday, for example. Probably like to see Thomas Partey in against Burnley. Um, given their physical nature, I think he'd probably be useful in there. Um, and it will give him a chance to get up to proper match sharpness as well. I'll probably throw Thomas Partey in there or Bamiyan can play, I guess. Um, you know, and, and I'd bring a few of them back in. But I think, yeah, mix it up a little bit would be um, would be my view. What else have we got? Uh, let's see what else you guys want to ask in the comments. Uh, Said Abdullah says, do you think Pablo Marie should start consistently? It's interesting because when I look at Pablo Marie, I look at someone who, when he has played, has performed to a pretty decent level. But still, he's only played a handful of games. You know, when you look at how many games he's played for Arsenal overall, it's not a lot. And... Maybe the small sample size gives a little bit of a misleading picture. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a competent defender. I think he's done a good job um, most of the time when he's played. We're talking about someone who's only made five appearances in the Premier League this season. So I'm still not 100% sure on Pablo Marie. That's no fault of his own just because I want to see him play a little bit more football. But I mean, while he's playing well, why not? And you know, why not give him a run of games? It's interesting though, isn't it? Because like Rob Holding was playing well and he's been essentially um, left out of the team recently. You know, he's been kind of, he was in the team regularly, looked as though he'd made that right centre-back position his own. A couple of players come back from injury or illness and all of a sudden he's been cast out into the cold. So it's interesting. Uh, trust the process. The Chronicles of a Donkey deluded this man is shaking my head. 10th place FC. Chronicles of a Donkey. Is it your screen name's Trust the Process for God's sake? Jesus. 
let's see what else you guys are saying in the live comments section. Uh, Jordan Charles says, do you think Tierney is the best left back in the Premier League this season? I think he, I think he's been brilliant. I, I really do. And I think you can certainly argue that he's up there. I think people would still argue that, that Andrew Robertson is still a level above him. And I think it'll be hard to argue against that. But, you know, Liverpool haven't been at their best this season. I think with Tierney, it's it's a little bit hard to to kind of to make those comparisons with Kieran Tierney because we know throughout the season he's going to be injured on a number of occasions. And that's a problem for me. Part of being a great player for me, and I know this might sound a little bit harsh, is being consistent and he's being fit. Um, I think that's an important part of it as well. So I, I can't really say that he's been the best left back in the Premier League outright, but he's definitely in the conversation for sure. Tizel says, going back to Bellerin, he says, Bellerin's name holds weight. I think we should cash in if there's interest there. Arsenal fans always love a scapegoat and it seems to be Bellerin at the moment. Completely agree. And the fact that his name carries weight probably suggests that we're being a little bit harsh on him. Um, you know, over uh, over the last few years or so. Um, Delinga says, Harry, the irony is this team was a similar team to the FA Cup one that lost against Southampton and everyone was having a go at the manager for resting players. Mate, I completely agree with you. And I came on here and defended Mikel Arteta for that. I defended the fact that he'd, you know, made his priorities clear. He'd chosen, um, you know, to prioritise the Premier League game that was coming up. He went on to win that Premier League game, by the way, uh, which obviously justified his decision on that occasion. And um, yeah, I mean, it just goes to show that rotation can work if the players actually turn up. You know, those players on paper are obviously good enough. Look what they've done today. But they just didn't show up in that game against Southampton. And that is why I was adamant that you couldn't blame the manager that day. What else have we got? Uh, Brad Richardson says, who's the best Arsenal player, in your opinion, in the Emirates era? When you say the Emirates era, do you mean that was signed in the Emirates era, era or played at the Emirates? Because if it's played, then you got Thierry Henry, you know, you got Cesc Fabregas. But if you're talking about players that were signed while we were at the Emirates, then it's got to be Alexis Sanchez for me. Fantastic player. Um, hurt the way he left, but fantastic players, no doubt about that. What else have we got here? Um, let's see what you guys are saying. Lots and lots of questions coming through. So difficult to pick ones out. And I apologise if I do uh, miss some of them. I don't mean to. I just can't always keep up with the um, with the chat box. Don't forget, by the way, as Xander says in the chat, smash the likes. Only takes a second. Doesn't cost you a thing. Check out manscaped.com. Enter our discount code, which is rolling across the screen below, 19min20, and you'll receive 20% off uh, of your order as well as free shipping. And you also, um, yeah, you know, you never know. It might do you some good. Uh, give you the tools that you need to uh, rectify what's probably become a problem area for a lot of people during lockdown. Um, also, if you're interested in becoming a member of a channel, uh, then feel free to... Uh, click on the link in the description and uh, sign up. Right. Uh, I'm going to pick out one more question, I think. Let's go with this one from Vikshan, who says, Harry, what is our best centre-back pair in at present? Louise and Gabriel for me. Most dominating. I think they're probably the best. Um... This, this is a good one as well. I'm going to pick this one up from Tazel before we jump off. He says, I think Shaka has been performing superbly recently, but I don't think there's another gear he can go to. Do you think we need a player to replace him? If Arsenal are going to push on for Premier League titles and are going to want to be competitive in the Champions League, not just qualify for it, I mean, get to the semi-finals, the final stage, then I agree when people say that he's maybe not quite at that level. And maybe you'd need to go out and invest. Um, you know, maybe you need to um, you need to go out and upgrade. But what I would say is it's not a major priority in this team because I think alongside Thomas Partey, the pair of them can do a, a really good job. I think 
you just see the level of Granit Xhaka elevate when Thomas Partey's in the side. And I know that probably reflects on Thomas Partey more than it does on Granit Xhaka. But what I'm saying is I think a lot of his shortcomings, a lot of his weaknesses, largely his athleticism at times, is compensated by having Thomas Partey next to him. And so for that reason, um, I think you're right in saying that he really probably can't go up another level. But I think at, at the moment, he's okay. For what we're trying to achieve, I think he can do the job. And if I only had 35, 40 million pounds to spend in the summer window, that wouldn't be my priority, is I guess what I'm saying. But to be elite, to be world, world class, to be at the top of the pile, yeah, I think we need someone probably a little bit more dynamic. I've got to be honest. Um, also, should have mentioned this at the top of the program, but um, rest in peace, Glenn Roder. Um Sulak pointed it out in the chat. Should have mentioned it at the beginning. Um, really, really sad news to learn that the former West Ham and Newcastle United manager Glenn Rhodes passed away at 65 years of age. Um, remember his days managing in the Premier League. Uh, from what I've read from the tributes that have been coming in, he looks, uh, it seems as though he was a, a really nice man and a real football man. So, yeah, really, um, really sad news that and uh, wish his family and friends, of course, uh, all the best. Um, look at some of these comments. Look at some of these comments. Where is it? Look at this. Off to bed. Let mummy tuck you in. Jesus Christ, man. Jesus Christ. It's one of Lee Gunner's minions by the looks of it. <laughs> I wish my mummy would tuck me into bed, mate. Maybe I'd be on the same mental level as you. Um, but anyway... I really should stop replying to these idiots, but yeah, when you're not feeling well as well, it, just, it winds you up even more because it's been a struggle to do this stream. I don't need to deal with some idiot on it as well. Um, right, I'm going to leave it there. Uh, going to leave it there. Going to bring you a couple of live streams tomorrow, so make sure your notifications are turned on. Look forward to chatting to you guys then. Uh, we'll be... Dealing with a bit more of the aftermath from the game against Leicester. We'll be talking about some other bits and pieces as well. Um, so I look forward to uh, seeing what comes our way tomorrow morning in terms of Arsenal news and Arsenal talking points. And uh, we'll be back around about midday tomorrow um, for uh, for our next stream. So until then, take care of yourselves. Have a great evening and enjoy what's left of your weekend. Until next time. Ciao. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.